0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. The number one action that brings impartation, that provokes impartation. And, um, for those of you that if you've never been on this channel, uh, on this broadcast while I've been teaching on the subject of impartation, Hey Christian, uh, a lot of people don't understand it, especially now, but impartation is not only a biblical thing. It's very real. It's very real. Literally, if we were defining it, it really is just the giving of something, a gift. We'll call it a spiritual gift. Uh, could be wisdom, whatever it might be. It is imparting, giving that thing to someone who does not have it. So it's it's the transfer of an attribute, a gift, to somebody that did not have it before. Something that was not there pre- before is previously is now there. Why? Because you've given it. You've imparted it to that person. And um, many people don't realize it's God's main method of promotion in the kingdom of God. It's the main method of promotion, impartation. That is why um, if as you go through the whole Bible, Old Testament to New, you'll find um, what we look at as spiritual fathers, spiritual sons. We see it all the way from the beginning of the Bible, all the way to the end of the old uh, New Testament. You can go all the way back as far as, Uh, Moses and Joshua, the transfer that took place between the two of them, which was a miracle, by the way, Uh, all of the Jews that left Egypt instantly changed their uh, loyalty from Moses as the leader to Joshua as the leader after Moses laid his hands on Joshua and imparted to him. Hey, what's up from the Netherlands? Good to have you on this morning. Glad you're watching. Uh, is that pronounced Mirjam? Mirjam or Mirjam? I think that's what it is. Uh, everybody on Facebook, welcome them from the Netherlands. Good to have you on. Um, you can move further. Moses and Joshua go on to Elijah and Elisha. That was an impartation of supernatural power. In fact, Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit and got it, produced twice as many miracles. As Elijah did in his lifetime, Uh, you can keep on going. Jesus and his disciples, you can go on to Paul and Timothy, Paul and Titus. I mean, you can keep on going. It, it It even transfers into the early church and early church history. The last living apostle, original apostle of the Lamb, John the Revelator, he wrote the book of Revelation from the island of Patmos, his spiritual son and understudy was Polycarp. Polycarp was one of the early church fathers and a direct disciple of John the Revelator. So it continues on, it keeps on going. It's amazing how impartation works, that you can receive supernatural wisdom, spiritual power, giftings, abilities uh, by serving those, that are above you, those that have gone before you. And um, so today I wanna deal with in this broadcast what I consider to be the foundational element that causes every one of us to receive impartation, the foundational element. That's why I said it's the number one action that provokes impartation. And when you realize that impartation is God's system of promotion, then you realize how important it is that one of the things I've been trying to teach the next generation for a while now is, God does not want us, number one, to start from scratch in every generation. He doesn't want us to start from scratch. Hey Brit, thank you. He doesn't want us to start from scratch in every generation. And he doesn't want his people to have to learn by trial and error. Yeah, if you're having issues on Facebook, we've been seeing issues, jump to YouTube. YouTube's where it's at. I don't know what's been going on with Facebook, but jump out of there and get on YouTube if you can. Hey, Tyra, good morning. And so God doesn't want his children to learn by trial and error. Failure, 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 finally, uh, finally a success by who knows, you know, it was random. We finally got there by coincidence. No, he doesn't want us to uh, receive by trial and error. Or one way I've been saying it's easier to remember. God doesn't want you to learn by destruction, but by instruction. Very, very important point to receive. God doesn't want you to learn by destruction, but by instruction. So he doesn't want you to have to be destroyed 15 times before you learn the right way to do it. He wants you to be able to receive that truth, that path, that impartation from somebody who's been there and done that successfully. That is what true impartation does. It's what true impartation does. However, Here's the issue that people run into in the body of Christ, especially, is that if the enemy can trick us out of stepping into this one element, because you can't, let me just say, you can't go any further than this one element. You can't go any further than this one element. Uh, No, the destruction does not, does not have to come first. (laughs) You don't have to be destroyed to learn a lesson. Aaron's asking, doesn't the destruction have to come first? No, you don't have to be destroyed to learn a lesson. For example, uh, if, if I, if I want my children is a perfect example. I want my children to learn lessons from me by my instruction and not learn life lessons by being destroyed by them. So for example, if I were to see my young child pulling a chair up to the, um, to the table or excuse me, to the stove and standing up on the chair to touch the stove. And I know the stove is hot. I'm not going to sit back in my chair and say, you know what? This will be a good life lesson for my son because when he touches that red hot stove and it sears his skin, third degree burns on his hand, he will learn from that destruction that the stove is hot and that you don't touch the stove when it's on. No, no loving father is gonna do that. No loving mother is gonna do that. They want their children to learn by instruction. That's why when I say, hey, don't touch that, the stove is hot, don't touch it. It might seem in the moment like I'm trying to control you, (laughs) like I'm trying to control your every action. No, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. So uh, I don't want my kids to learn by destruction, but by instruction. And so the the Lord, our God is the same way. He doesn't want you to have to be destroyed. No, Aaron, you're on a completely different wavelength uh, from what I'm talking about. I'm talking about impartation. I'm talking about impartation from one person to another to receive supernatural wisdom, supernatural gifts, supernatural power. You don't have to stand in your purpose. For example, you don't have to fail in your purpose for 20 years before you find the right way to do it, right? Let's say God's called you to do something. Uh, You don't have to fail in that purpose for 20 years as you try different things that don't work until you finally figure out the right way to do it. And now you're accomplishing your purpose. And now you're uh, actually successful in what God's called you to do. Rather, you can connect with somebody that is already doing what you've been called to do serve their vision, watch how they do it, receive from them and watch and see as the same things that brought success to them will bring success to you. It's not trial and error, it's receive impartation. And so, that, I mean, that's how it worked in the scripture. That's how it still works today. You understand Joshua was serving Moses, right? Elisha was serving Elijah, the disciples were serving Jesus. Timothy was serving Paul. And as you look at all of these examples, it was their servanthood. It was their honor. This is the element we're talking about today. Supernatural honor. I want you to put it in the comments. Honor brings impartation. Put that in the comment section. Honor brings impartation. So it is this element of honor that opens the door to impartation in your life. Absolutely. One of the ways that I want to show you that is if we go to the book of second Kings, and this is a very important point that I want to get into your spirit, uh, in the book of second Kings, we see that, uh, you know, Elijah is getting ready to be taken up into heaven. Elijah's getting ready to go up in a chariot of fire to heaven, and it's very important to see this now. Elijah was not the only prophet on the earth. Far from it. Far from it. In fact, Samuel, before Elijah, had founded a school of the prophets. People don't know that, but if you read the Old Testament, you'll find it. Samuel founded what's known as the school of the prophets and if you ever read the old testament and you come across the phrase uh one of the sons of the prophets one of the sons of the prophets or i was married to someone who was one of the sons of the prophets you see that the, that's referring to the students of that school the sons of the prophets were the uh prophets in their own right and prophets in training and so it, they were called the sons of the prophets well Elijah was not the only prophet on the earth at the time. In fact, if you study the story, Elijah would often stop in the different cities where there was a school of the prophets. So there were different branches of that school. There was, um, there was, um, Jericho, Gilgal, Bethel which means the house of God in these different cities, there were schools of the prophets and Elijah. If you study first and second Kings, Elijah would stop at these schools and he would sit there and teach. And the Bible says, and they would sit at his feet and they would learn from Elijah, the prophet. So we could look at Elijah and say, he was more of what we would call a master prophet. Sometimes I refer to him as like a professor prophet. If you think of the fact that he's training these other sons of the prophets in the ways of a prophet, he's raising them up. He's teaching them. I'm showing you this for a reason, I'm showing you this for a very specific reason. Now, Elisha, who was Elijah's spiritual son, but not his only spiritual son, because he's also imparting to all of these other sons of the prophets. However, one thing I'm going to show you is that they got a. A partial impartation, but Elisha got the full impartation, which we're going to see in a second only comes from serving, from honoring and serving. And so Elisha got the full impartation while the sons of the prophets got a partial impartation. And so it'd, it'd be like, for example, you know, I went to uh Ramah Bible training center. That was my uh, Bible school that I attended founded by Kenneth Hagan, who's now in heaven and brother Hagan was still alive when I attended the Bible school. And I went there, I was there for two years and, uh, sat under that anointing was in those classes, was in those camp meetings, was at the church, got the teaching in person, received it, hands laid on me. Well, I received uh, a portion. I received a partial impartation from brother Hagan but I didn't receive his full impartation. I'm not his successor. I'm not his understudy. I received a partial impartation from his life and from his teaching, but I didn't get the full impartation. You see what I mean? Uh, It's it's the same. You can receive partial impartations from many people, but not necessarily become their successor. That comes through service. That comes from uh, uh, honor in that way. So I want you to see this in second Kings chapter two, Elijah's getting ready to be taken up into heaven. And the Bible says, um, now watch these three tests of honor. I thought this was very interesting. Three tests of honor. Uh, verse one, now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please, stay here. For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Now look at the answer. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. You see that. See, Elijah was testing him, trying to get him to stay behind. And Elisha said, you're not going to get me to leave your side. See, first of all, he could sense in his spirit, what was about to happen with Elijah. He could sense it. And we see that later in this chapter, he knew what was coming. He knew that Elijah was gonna be taken up into heaven soon, knew it by the prophetic anointing. And so did all the other sons of the prophets. You watch and see, he said, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now look at verse three. This is second Kings two, three now. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, don't you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know it, but keep quiet. See that they were almost mocking him. It's almost like they were mocking Elisha. Like, can you not even see in the spirit like we can? Don't you even know that Elijah is going to be taken away? And Elisha said, of course I know it. I'm a prophet just like you are. Of course I know it, but stay quiet about it. I'm not allowing the fact that my master is about to be taken away from me to change my actions. In fact, I'm going to press in even harder. I'm going to honor and serve even harder. And look at this. And he said, keep quiet. Verse four, Elijah said to him, Hey, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said the same thing again, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now, hold on, watch this now. So they came to Jericho. Who is they? Elijah and Elisha, not the sons of the prophets that were in uh, Bethel, just Elijah and Elisha. You know what that means? The sons of the prophets that were in Bethel stayed behind. They stayed behind, but Elisha went with him. Go further. And then, uh, Verse five, the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho. So here's a different group of students. The sons of the prophets who were in Jericho drew near to Elisha and said the same thing. Do you not know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? He said, yes, I know it. They said the same thing as the ones in Bethel, but keep quiet about it. You see that keep quiet about it. Now here's another test again. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them, look at that. There it is again. So the two of them went on. None of the sons of the prophets went with them. Just the two of them. See, Elisha was the only one willing to stay by Elijah until the end. He was the only one. Listen, here's a question for you. If all the other sons of the prophets knew it too, how come they didn't stick by Elijah's side? Why didn't they travel from Bethel to Jericho and from Jericho onto the Jordan? How come they didn't make a trip? It was the last day. It was the last day for this prophet and they all knew it too. That's what they were mocking Elisha with. So how come they stayed home on the couch? Hunger, honor. And you see this. And they're standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah. Now look at this. Two of them went on, 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood some distance from them and they both were standing by the Jordan. Now, let me show you the difference in verse seven. Elisha was there to serve Elijah. The ones who came and stood a distance away from them were there to just spectate and observe Elijah, not to serve him. You can't serve somebody from far away. They were there to just watch and see what was going to happen. They were there for the entertainment factor. Elisha was there to serve. And what were they looking to see? They knew a miracle was about to happen. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water of the Jordan River, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. Now watch this. Here's the thing I think people miss. When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken up from you. And Elisha said, please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing yet. If you see me as I'm being taken from you, hmm, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Now, people read this and they think this is Elijah testing whether or not Elisha will stay with him to the end. That's not what he's testing. That's not what he's testing. He's already tested that three times, three times. I just read it to you. Stay here, I gotta go further. Stay here, I gotta go further. Stay here. And every time that test came, Elisha passed it. He said, I'll not leave you. I'll not leave you. I'll not leave you. You think Elijah was wondering now, once they've finally crossed the Jordan river, no. Because this is the place right here, just a few steps ahead, when the chariots of fire come to take Elijah away. So now there's a different test. You catch this? Now there's a different test. It's not, will you stay with me to the end? This is a powerful thing, man. I want you to get this. This is what qualified Elisha to receive a full impartation from Elijah. He said, if you see me, when I'm taken from you, you can have a double portion, but if you don't see me, then you can't. What's he testing here? He's testing Elisha's supernatural vision, his prophetic vision, that's what he's testing. I'll give you an example, if we were to go on uh, a few more chapters ahead when Elisha is now the prophet. If you went ahead to uh, 2 Kings chapter six, now Elisha has his own servant and Elisha's the main prophet. Well, something happens in chapter six that shows you what was going on in chapter uh, chapter two here. And that is this, an evil king sends an army to surround Dothan where Elisha is staying to kill him. And his servant goes out and sees the army first and freaks out and comes back in. Oh, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? We're going to get out of here. And he's wondering, why is the prophet not shook by this? And, and Elisha just prays a prayer in verse 17. This is second Kings six 17. Notice the prayer. Then Elisha prayed and said, Oh Lord, Please open his eyes so that he may see. Do you catch that? Open his eyes. The reason Elisha was not worried is that he had prophetic vision. He could see what Gehazi could not see. Look at this. And when the Lord opened his eyes, he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Hallelujah. So Elisha could already see that. Why? He had prophetic vision. His servant did not. Who we find out later is Gehazi. Gehazi ended poorly. He ended with leprosy. He did not become a prophet. He was destroyed and we don't hear anything else from him uh, in the story. So he didn't have what Elisha did have when he was with Elijah. So this test is, Can you see what I see? If you're going to take my impartation, if you're going to operate in my anointing and in my power, if you're going to do for God what I've been doing for God, you've got to have my vision. And if you've got my vision, then you can have my anointing. Man, this is such a big point I wish people would catch. Put that in the comments. If you have my vision, you can have my anointing. If you have my vision, you can have my anointing. That's big. Elisha wasn't going to get Elijah's vision to go do something else with it. He was called to do the same thing Elijah was doing, but you can't have it. If you don't have Elijah's vision, why would God give you his anointing? If you don't even have his vision to go do something completely different with the same anointing. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You look down through the ages. That's how it worked. That's how it worked. What did Jesus say to his disciples? The works that I do, you shall do also. And greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father. What was the context? I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. Notice, we didn't receive the Holy Spirit to go do something different with the anointing than Jesus did with the anointing. Notice that. Jesus said, you've got to have my vision because I'm giving you my anointing. You see that? The same works that I have done, you shall do also. Jesus is making a point. You're not going to be anointed the same way I'm anointed to go do something completely different. This anointing, is to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came, 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the devil. And he said, when I, on the day of Pentecost, send my anointing to you, you will have power to do the same things I've done. That's exactly what's happening here with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was giving him, if he had his vision, if he had his vision, I'm going to give you that same anointing, that double portion. It'll come upon you. So notice Elisha, because when a chariot of fire comes from heaven, that's a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. You've got to be able to see in the spirit. You got to have spiritual vision because do you notice this? Elijah made the case that it might be possible that I'm taken from you and you don't see me. You see it, it's a possibility. I might be taken from you and you don't see it happen. You don't see me when I go. That would have been a sign that Elisha didn't have supernatural prophetic vision. Elijah jumps into a spiritual chariot of fire and goes to heaven and Elisha can't see it. So you don't have the anointing. But if you can see it, then you do. And you can take my mantle and you can take my anointing And you can have the ministry and you can go do and carry out the vision God's called us to accomplish. And look at the Bible says, as they crossed over the Jordan, he said, even though you've asked a a hard thing, if you see me when I'm being taken from you, it'll be so for you. If you don't see me, it will not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. He did see it. He could easily see it. Why? He had, he'd honored Elijah for so long that he had his vision. He honored him for so long that he had his vision. Look at this now. And he took hold of his own clothes. And tore them in two pieces and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him that's a powerful thing right there it's not just him mourning over the loss of his spiritual father it's also a change of garment it's also a change of identity the servant has become the master which we're gonna see in just a second the servant has become the master. He tore his clothes. It's a, that's, that's one of the ways they showed mourning in those days. Uh, My master's gone from me. But also now he took up the cloak of Elijah, hallelujah. And went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Now he's got the mantle and he took it and struck the waters just the way he saw his mentor do. And in the same way, look what he said, where Is the Lord God of Elijah. Here's the test. Do I have the double portion? Do I have the anointing? Do I not have the anointing? Didn't take long to see. Elijah just left. I've got his cloak. Now let's see if that same miracle anointing is on my life. Bam. And when he hit it, the Bible says the water was parted from one side to the other and Elisha went over. Now here's what I love. Next verse. And when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him, Elisha, opposite them, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elijah, on Elisha, and they came to meet him and look at what they did. Moments before they were mocking him, making fun of him like he couldn't see in the spirit. Now, verse uh, 15, and they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And they said to him, behold, now there are with your servants, 50 strong men, please let them go and seek your master. They still don't understand what's going on. But notice this, it's shortly after that, the Bible teaches, if you go over to the fourth chapter, look at this. First Kings four or second Kings four 38 and Elisha came again to Gilgal when there was a famine in the land, and as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, notice this, the same students that Elijah was teaching, now Elisha was teaching. The servant became the master, how? By by honoring and serving the one before him. So notice this, and I want you to get this now, go with me to Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Romans chapter 12, And verse 10, this is a command for every one of us who are believers. This is the thing that will keep you in a place where you can always receive from God, always receive from those ahead of you, those that are in your life that God's placed there to impart to you. Here's the key. See it with me. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, the Bible says, love one another with brotherly affection, catch this, outdo one another in showing honor, outdo one another in showing honor, powerful. So the key becomes walking. I did a, a series a while back on, um, when I was in Rowlett, Texas, uh, on what it means, what kingdom culture is, what defines it. I dealt with nine things. One of the things that I dealt with was the subject of honor. That if you're totally locked in to kingdom culture, then you are locked in to honor. This is the way, this is the key to going to another level. Let me show you what I mean. When there's a lack of honor, it actually stops God from being able to move in your life. I was thinking of the story, Jesus, who is the son of God, all power, he's got the ability to do the impossible. In Mark chapter six, the Bible says he goes back to his own hometown and he goes with the desire and the intent to perform mighty miracles in their midst. And the Bible says he couldn't do any mighty work there except for laying his hands on a few sick people, and healing them. So here's an entire city, Nazareth, that he wants to touch them with his power. And the Bible says, because of their lack of honor, their unbelief, they would not believe or honor him as who he was. They would not look at Jesus as the son of God. They would not look at Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. They refused to. They'd seen him, They'd seen him grow up, they knew Mary, they knew Joseph, and they would not look at Jesus as the Messiah. So what did they do? They would not attribute that identity to him, and it was dishonorable. And he was blown away. What did he say? He said, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and among his own people. And he marveled, watch, at their unbelief. He marveled. At their unbelief and so what was his answer for that he began to then go into their villages and into their synagogues preaching and teaching he was then building their faith by teaching the word preaching the word teaching the word preaching the word their unbelief they didn't believe he was who he said he was their lack of honor towards Jesus caused the power to stop short short-circuited the power of God On the other side of this, and I've taught this for years, in Mark chapter 10, the Bible says there was a man named Bartimaeus who was blind. And in that case, same thing was happening with everybody around Jericho. They were all dishonoring Jesus with their words. It's Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. And one man called him Messiah, the Christ, son of David. And it stopped Jesus in his tracks. And that provoked a miracle, an impartation of power into the life of Bartimaeus. Went from being blind and a beggar to someone who could recover his sight, see, and it took him out of that lifestyle completely. What was the difference? He honored Jesus and praised him for who he was in identity. Son of David, he called out the covenant name and Jesus stopped. Although he didn't stop for anybody else, he stopped for Bartimaeus. It was the honor that he had to identify him as who he truly was that brought him into supernatural power. That's the key man, honor. And let me just say this. I'll give you, I'll give you a final thought before I pray for you. Isaiah 29, by the way, this is one of the things that I cover in this book further faster. If you've not seen this book, if you've not gotten this, this is something the Lord dealt with me so strongly about for this generation who does not understand impartation or honor this book further, faster. It's how to accelerate your purpose through the force of impartation. This will show you what the Bible teaches on the subject of impartation. You can get it on our store. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on Amazon, get it. It will help you. Josh says, can you serve and honor more than one person? For example, a spiritual father and a mentor. Of course, Uh, you see, here's the key, Josh, if they have two separate visions, you have to know what you're called to do and who you are called to be. See, that's the key. That's the key with being led by the spirit is that you've got to know what you're called to do, who you're called to be, and you've got to be led by the spirit because those two visions, if they're, if they're opposite of each other, you can still honor them. And you could still receive partial impartation from one of them. But if you don't know what you're called to be, what you're called to do, then you'll miss the direction you're supposed to be going, the steps you should be taking. And so you've got to, you've got to be led by the spirit of God. Romans 8, 14. If you're led by the spirit of God, you're a son of God. You've got to be led by the spirit, got to be led by the spirit. That's key. It will open up your eyes as to which direction is your direction and fasting and prayer will help you in being led by the spirit of God. Isaiah chapter 29, I wanted to show you guys this before I pray for you. So what kind of honor are we talking about? This is what I'm calling internal honor. In fact, I want you to write that phrase in the comment section, internal honor. It's a vital thing. So why can't it be just outward honor? Why can't it just be actions of honor? You've got to honor that person in your heart internally, behind closed doors. You've got to honor them. No question behind closed door. When nobody else is around, it's just you and your husband, you and your wife, whatever you still have to talk about that person with pure honor. You have to honor them for real, not just as a show. See, that was what irritated the Lord. Look at, Isaiah 29 and verse 13. this is very, very interesting phrase. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Think about that. Their fear is of me is a commandment. Taught by men. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. Very, very interesting verse of scripture. And so the Lord says, These people say they're mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen to this. And their worship of me is nothing but man made rules. So that they don't honor God in their heart. And so the same is true. Elijah was not just honored by Elisha outwardly. You can obviously see by his actions that in his heart he honored Elijah with everything he had. See, here's the problem. Why it can't just be outward actions, but in your heart you still, you know, you can't stand them or you, you know, whatever. You can't do that. Has to be internal honor. Here's why. The the writer of Proverbs says in in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for, from it flow the issues of life. What's in your heart will eventually come out of you. What is in your heart will eventually come out of you. Look at uh, Jesus taught this Luke chapter six, Luke chapter six and verse 45. I want you to see it. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So do you see what's going on here? It has to be internal because if not, you can only fake it for so long. That's something you've got to get. You can only fake it for so long after a while. What is in your heart is going to come out of your heart. No question about that. What is in your heart is going to come out of your heart. And so what we've got to recognize is that when we are walking in honor, pure honor, it's not a facade, it's not a show, it's not fake, it's in my heart. That takes being led by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit, because your flesh does not want to honor. I'll give you this final thought. There are people, that God has placed in your life to honor them. I'm thinking of your spiritual leaders right now, your pastor, you know, your pastor's wife, those that are in spiritual leadership over you, let's say in your local church, okay? One of the, and and I'll tell you, I'll talk about this quickly, two things that really stop people from honoring, number one, familiarity. Familiarity uh, breeds, And I've seen this happen over and over again. Contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. The more familiar you become with someone's flesh. That's why Paul uh, said to know no man after the flesh. I don't want to know you in the flesh. I want to know you in the spirit. I want to be able to access spiritual things. I'll give you an example. (laughs) I was I I was talking about this yesterday and, um, you know, our pastor, uh, comes in from his office, comes across the front on Sunday morning to go to his seat as we're in the, in the service. And, um, you know, normally he'll greet, uh, some people that are sitting on the front rows. He's walking to his seat or whatever. Well, I was talking to somebody else right before him and just kind of, you know how sometimes you answer somebody by instinct, you know, whatever just kind of quick, a quick what's up or whatever. And, uh, I was talking to the other person and Bishop came right up next to me and greeted me. And I quickly just responded very fast. And I was like, Hey, what's up, buddy. And when I said that I felt such conviction to speak in a, in a familiar way. Now, yes, I I thought you're a preacher too. Yeah, I'm a preacher and he's a preacher, but it's not, you don't, live your life that way. You know, he's also my pastor and he's also uh, uh, far ahead of me in ministry. You know, uh, Bishop is has been in ministry, what, for 44 years or longer. And so there's a there's an honor, there's a respect for those that are your elders, those that are ahead of you. And when I said that, now he didn't respond anyway, he just gave me a hug and went onto his seat. But I felt such a conviction in my spirit for saying, Hey buddy, or what's up buddy uh, to, you know, to my pastor that I was like, it bothered me. It bothered me greatly. So, and when the service, the service was over and he came back by to say goodbye, I, I apologized to him, you know, and he, he brushed it off like it was no big deal, but he understands. And I understand that you walk in honor, you walk in respect. And so I said, Bishop, I'm sorry. You caught me off guard. I didn't, I didn't mean to say, I don't, I don't say that to you. I'm not, you know, I'll call you buddy, you know, or, you know, what's up, bro. I don't, you know, that kind of stuff is so ridiculous. Now, let me just say this for those that are watching. If your pastor is speaking to you, you need to uh, honor him verbally. You know, I've taught on this, on this broadcast about honoring your pastor, uh, financially blessing your pastor and all that. But let me say something. You need to honor him verbally. I cringe. I cringe when I'm at a church and uh, I hear, I'm standing with the pastor and I hear people from the church come up to the pastor at the altar, whatever, and just start, you know, palling around with him, calling him by his first name. You know that I can't even imagine. I think I, at this point, I think I would just correct people. You know, if I was at the altar with our pastor, Bishop Rick, you know, and I heard somebody come up and say, hey, Rick, what's going on, Rick? I think I would just basically, if, I, if, if nobody else said anything, I'd be like, he's actually, this is Bishop Rick. It's your pastor. Refer to him as pastor or bishop. You know, I, I would, I, at that part, I think I would just finally, I'm just getting tired of people that have no honor, no respect. They don't understand it. You don't call, you don't call your pastor by his first name. You know, it's, it's as stupid as if you walked up to any president, whether you voted for them or not. You know, you don't walk up and you know, say, what's up, Barack? What's up, Donald? You know, what's up, Joe? You know, you don't, you know, you don't do that. There, there's, there is honor, there's respect that goes. You know, you don't stand up in a courtroom and refer to the judge by his first name. What's up, Donnie? You know, it's your honor, it's judge. You know what I mean? There's people, even the world understand that. And then people in the church, It has nothing to do with the person's pride. It's not about, well, my pastor is so prideful, he only wants to be called pastor, so-and-so. No, it's that you are out of line because nobody's taught you how to walk in respect and honor. And that's why people struggle. Uh, AJ said, I serve under my father and when I'm serving in church, I've heard of his pastor. I remember a man years ago made fun of me about it and the guy's no longer serving the Lord. Trust me, I know. I served under my uncle for, what, 10 years? And when I was in the church, it used to tick me off back then. And I was in my twenties. We'd have guys come in the church and call him by what's up, Terry. How you doing, Terry? And, and I, and I would come into where they were. And even though he's my uncle and I could have said, uncle Terry, I would say, pastor, pastor, do you, do you want this done? Pastor, whatever, because I want that knucklehead that's standing with him to hear even his nephew refer to him as pastor, not buddy. Hey, what? don't be a, a knucklehead lack of honor, people wonder why they struggle. It's because they don't understand how that impartation actually works. There has to be an honor and respect. And the Bible even says that we're to call one another, brother, you know, brother so-and-so. And so, so, you know, even if somebody is not, I refer to, especially men that are older than me, I'll refer refer to them to the same, I'm 40 years old next year. I'm still calling men, hey, brother Rick, brother John, brother whatever. You know, it's not cultish. That's what the Bible says to do. You talk to them in that way. The Bible says, refer to one another as brother. That's what we do. It's a term of respect. I'm just running around disrespecting people. And so I I know for some people, it's how they were raised. Some people were never raised that way and need to be taught, but there is honor. Even verbally, you need to honor people. You honor people and people made fun of me too. You know, um, AJ, well, isn't that your uncle? Can't you just call him uncle? Yeah, I could, but I'm doing it for your sake so you can hear it, you know? And pastor had no issue. Uh, Alex said, um, what do you do when a man of God has told you to call them by their first name, but it still bothers you to say it? Don't say it. Show them honor, even if they don't understand honor. That That's how I look at it. And I know there are pastors that are like that, Alex, where they're like, They wanna be all buddy-buddy with everybody in their congregation. That's to their own detriment. But you honor them even if they don't understand honor. No, exactly, Jaden. Jaden said, I can't imagine calling my pastor by his first name. No, because you shouldn't. And anybody that has a a right and an understanding spirit understands that. That's why I felt such conviction for calling my pastor buddy. Hey, buddy. I mean, what what are you doing? I told my wife, "I was like, buddy, what am I thinking?" You know. And then here's the other thing. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that my pastor, uh, at the time, which my uncle Terry, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, he had no issue with teaching people that principle. We were we were at a church softball game, one time, and this guy came in. You know, that had been saved and he'd been delivered from drugs and all this stuff. And he he even said it. He came out not thinking, good guy, good guy. But we were all in the dugout getting ready for the game and he shows up and how you doing, Jeff? And, and you know, he, what's up, buddy? He said, and, and he didn't even hesitate. He said, I'm not your buddy. I'm your pastor. And everybody kind of like stopped like, oh, and I was like, oh, but you know, it's true. You're just teaching that lesson, I'm not your buddy. I'm your pastor. And, and you teach that you command respect because respect should be there. It's how blessing flows. Honor is how blessing flows. Why do you think that anybody that is, there's multiple ways to show honor, show honor verbally. You show honor by serving, you show honor by, um, uh, sowing seed. Why do you think, yeah, Jaden said, I still called my pastor pastor when we were playing basketball. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, there's multiple ways that you can show honor verbally serving seed. I mean, you know, I've told you on this broadcast that I spend, uh, each month I spend time uh, sowing seed, not my offerings, not my tithes, not giving to the poor. I have seed set aside specifically for the men of God that are in my life to honor them by financial seed, because the Bible says to do that. They're worthy of double honor. And that's in, re- in reference to receiving. Uh, yeah, exactly. AJ said, how do you take instruction, correction, rebuke and encouragement from your buddy? You won't. That's exactly right. And where people hold their spiritual leadership in their heart is why people get so easily offended, why they leave the church, why they don't even talk to their pastors before they make life decisions. They don't look out, look for counseling, they don't look for instruction, they don't look for any of that. And that's why people are in a mess. It's because they just do their own thing instead of doing it the way God wanted it to be done. And so I honor my pastor monthly with a seed of honor that's for him personally. I do that with my father and my mother. I do it with people that, you know, the Lord may speak to me. So into that person personally, I do it. I do it because I honor and I'm blessed for that. We're coming up to, uh, you know, pastor's appreciation. We're really talking about, uh, the future of the church in October. We're going to be having a service, uh, at our home church, abundant life, uh, which is, uh, really a pastor's appreciation service. And they asked me, would you speak? Uh, to the church on behalf of Bishop for Pastor's Appreciation. Well, when they asked me that, uh, I had my schedule booked. My schedule was full. And uh, I tried every way to be there for that Sunday. I tried every way around it. I couldn't find a flight. I couldn't find any way to do the Sunday morning service and get to my revival by that. So you know what I did? Because I felt I know that I was supposed to honor uh, him in that way. So I called the pastor of the church that I had a revival scheduled. And I normally don't do this. If I've given my word to somebody that I'll be somewhere, I'm going to be somewhere and I'm going to do what I said I would do. But uh, I felt it so necessary uh, to, to be there and do this for our pastor to honor him and to honor his ministry and to honor his life. I called the pastor of the church I was scheduled to preach. I said, if it would be okay, now see, understand this. Here's another form of honor, by the way. Here's another form of honor. I've given my word already to that pastor that I will be at your church to hold that revival. So now my word has been given. This is integrity. I'm showing you something about integrity. My word has been given and the pastor is the head of that church. So unless the only way for me to do what I'm about to do in integrity is for it to be okay with the pastor that I've already given my word to. So I called that pastor and I explained the situation. I said, listen, something has come up where my pastor wants me to honor him uh, and the staff has asked me if I would speak on behalf of his pastor's appreciation and and to honor him for his ministry and all that he's done. I said, would it be okay with you? And I said, if it's not, I said that with that uh, caveat, if it's not okay with you, I will still come the dates we agreed, and I will be there and tell them no. I will tell my home church no, and I will come and do what I told you I would do. So only if it's okay with you. And I said, Pastor, would it be okay with you if we just moved the revival forward, uh, or, or I should say back in the schedule two weeks so that I can honor my pastor here at my home church? And uh, he totally understood because he said, you know what, I get honor. And I wish more people would honor their spiritual leadership and honor their pastor and honor their parents and everything. And so that pastor who understood honor was totally fine with it because he understands what people should do. And so to honor my pastor, I moved a revival out of the way with the consent of the pastor I'd agreed to in order to be there and honor him. See, these things that we look at, they might seem like small things in the moment, but, they add up and God's watching. Did you know, and let me just say this and I'm gonna pray, the Bible tells us in Malachi that God keeps a book of remembrance. Did you know that? God keeps a book of remembrance, that he's not writing down the bad things you've done. He's not writing down your mistakes. If you read the context, he's actually writing down all of your moments of faithfulness. He's writing down your righteous actions. He's writing down the good things you've sent out of your life, the seeds of faithfulness, the seeds of honor, the seeds of righteousness. He's writing them down. And you know what the promise is? He's going to reward you for every righteous action, all faithfulness, all that you've done that's pleasing unto him. He's going to reward you. And so you say, well, that's just a small thing and talking like that's a small thing and you know, giving that gift card, sowing that seed, whatever. It, it might seem small in the moment, but I want you to tell, tell you something. These consistent actions, these faithful actions add up and God is keeping a book of remembrance and he's blessing the faithful, he's blessing the righteous, he's blessing those that are taking a stand in honor to obey the mighty word of God. And let me tell you, you will be blessed for your righteous actions. One of the ways you're going to be blessed is by receiving divine impartation. It's the main way that impartation flows. It flows in the avenue of honor. Impartation flows through the avenue of honor. Don't ever forget it. That's how it works. That's how God works. Honor, respect. And and I'm telling you, you'll see increase happen so quickly. It's mind blowing. As I've taken big steps of honor and faithfulness, I've seen huge steps of promotion in our ministry. I mean, I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you. It's so supernatural. I mean, even this year, I've just, we've seen it and it's so supernatural. Best year we've ever had. And I, I attribute much of it to honor, honoring God's word, honoring God's plan, honoring God's men and women, and God honors you. If you put him first, you'll never be last. That's how it functions. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus name, I pray Lord as not only as we have this understanding, but as you continue to speak and show us these things and that you convict our hearts, where can we step up in honor? Where can we continue to go to the next level? releasing seeds of honor from our lives. And as we do, we thank you that you're keeping that book of remembrance. We expect our blessings to hit hard. So they'll be so visible that we'll be able to show your goodness to this world, the lost and dying world, that our God is a good God. He interacts with his children. He blesses his children. He's faithful to his children. And we thank you, Lord, that we will finish 2021 as the best year we've ever seen. Let this final quarter of the year be the greatest quarter of any year that we've ever had in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen. Ashley has a question. Uh, When it's Pastor's Appreciation Sunday, are we called to also honor financially like the worship pastor, associate pastor, children's pastor, youth pastors? You, You can, feel free to do so, but for sure, Honor your senior pastor. One thing that's important to remember is that there's one pastor of the church. That's why I'm not a fan of like all these terms, you know, because we throw the name pastor on everything. You know, there's the parking lot pastor and this is the graphics pastor and here's our media pastor and this is our, you know, there's one pastor, there's one head, there's one leader. Honor them. That's not wrong to honor the others, but remember Those others might be volunteers, whereas the senior pastor is giving his whole life to that ministry. Remember that. If the church goes down the tubes, it's not the graphics pastor's fault. (laughs) It's not the parking lot pastor that's to blame. It's the senior pastor who let the vision fall to the ground. He deserves a far different level of honor than others because his life is on the line. And let me just give you another heads up as we're moving into, I guess, the time when they do. Is there an actual Pastor's Appreciation Sunday that's like nationwide? Do you know? Can you Google it real quick? If there's an actual date that everybody uh, uses? Because here's, here's what I want to encourage you with. As, as we're coming up with Pastor's Appreciation, if, if there is a date or if there's different dates that your church does it, don't flippantly bless your pastor. Don't do something small. Please, October 10th, Ashley Wright says second Sunday in October. Okay. So second Sunday in October, listen, don't do something small. Alex said the graphics pastors imparted so much to me. Don't do something small. Don't come in with like a, a five or $10 Starbucks gift card. Don't come in with like a box of Dunkin' Donuts. Bless your pastor. Bless your pastor. I mean like really bless him. Really bless him with something that's significant. Find out what he likes. You know what I mean? Find out what he likes and bless him with something nice. Bless him with something nice. (laughs) Don't do it small. that's, that's, That's always an irritation of mine. You know, the, your pastor's laying his whole life down on the, on the line for you and your family, praying and fasting and seeing and showing up at the hospital and, you know, at nights they, they're not sleeping and teaching the word and preaching the word and giving you the, the, you know, and people come in with a $5 Starbucks gift card, bless your pastor who's standing in the gap for you. He and his family have given their life so that you and your family don't go to hell. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Bless them, bless them and do it significantly comes once a year, bless them. You heard it here first, massively bless your pastor. That's right. Small is not honor. I'd be embarrassed to give my pastor something that I wouldn't even give to a 12 year old at their birthday party. Bless them. Something significant. Amen. Amen. Listen, we're headed to revival. We're flying out today. Let me give you an opportunity to sow a seed. If you've not done so this week, take a minute. If you've not done so this month, take a minute. Sow a seed. It's one of the ways that you honor this ministry. It was we're pouring into you every single day. Do it and watch God bless you for it. We have testimonies of people that, that partnered with us, their lives went to the next level. A ton of them. Even people that partnered with us that they couldn't do the full amount when they started, and then they began where they could begin, God blessed them to where they could be a full monthly partner. Do what the Lord's speaking to you to do. Starting in Billings on Sunday, and then the next Sunday we start in West Virginia. There's all kinds of opportunities for you to join us before the year is over uh, as revivals continue here in the United States. And then let me just mention this I haven't talked about it in a few days, but. Would you make plans to come and spend one night with us in Allentown, Pennsylvania? We're calling it the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend. And on Friday night, November the 12th, we're gonna be having a one-night revival service at uh, Central Assembly of God in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And we'd like you to be there. Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend, Friday, November the 12th, 7 p.m. And I would love to see you there. It's a one night. And then for those of you that are partners, we've got a hundred partners joining us for lunch on the Saturday after from 12 to three, but we would love to have you at the, everybody's welcome for the one night revival service on that Friday night. We would love, love, love to see you there. And so I'm I'm very excited about that. Revivals, all of our revivals can be found at miracleword.com, and you can click the schedule page, but I want to encourage you to sow a seed because it's time is short. It's running out and it's time for us to step up and take and make big moves for the kingdom of God before it's too late. Jesus is coming. Souls aren't ready. And as you stand with this ministry, revival's taking place all over and you're blessed by it and others are blessed by it. There's the information on the screen. You can always get all information at miracleword.com forward slash give. And we want to bless you in the month of September with brother Kenneth Copeland's book called The Laws of prosperity. It's our gift to you that are partnering at $85 or more this month, miracleword.com forward slash offer. You can sign up to receive it, and uh, we will send it to your address once you've sown your seed. We say a big thank you. Once again, today I was teaching, this is a principle that can be found in this book that I wrote entitled, Further Faster. How God accelerates your purpose through the force of impartation. This is available on our store, shop.miracleword.com. It's available on Amazon, wherever your territory is in the world. It's available on Kindle. It's available on Apple Books. All you have to do is search further, faster, and you'll find this. This will bless you and explain how impartation works and how you can receive impartation. I love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging with me again today. I'll see you again very soon. Hope to see you in Montana. Hope to see you in West Virginia. Have a blessed day. Talk later. Bye. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.